Episode 109 of the Juice Box Podcast starts now, and it's sponsored by Dexcom and Omnipod. You can find out more about Omnipod at myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox, and Dexcom is at dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. In this episode, Sam comes on and she talks about what it's like to have type 1 diabetes during that time of the month. I don't know another way to say it right now. This episode is all about menstruation, and we use all kinds of crazy euphemisms for it while we're talking about it. It's fun. It's informative. It's, it's important to talk about. Nobody does. So I thought, let's talk about it here. Please don't forget that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making changes to your healthcare plan. Hello. Sam? Yes. Is it Sam or Samantha? Either one is fine. Oh, yeah? So you don't want to tell me? <laughs> Samantha, let's go with Samantha. Samantha, okay. And do you want to be known by your name while you're doing this, or are we gonna make up a different one? <laughs> um, it depends. What kind of embarrassing questions are you going to ask me? I don't know. I'll tell you what. <laughs> you can introduce yourself, and we can cut it out later if you want to. I don't have any embarrassing questions. So okay, no, I'm just kidding. Okay. Okay. So, uh, yeah. go ahead. I was just gonna say th- thank you because. You know, it may or may not surprise you that not a ton of people jumped up and were like, I would love to come on and talk about having type 1 diabetes during my period. So there was a couple and one of them dropped out pretty quickly. You were the only one that followed through. So thank you very much. Oh, well, it's my pleasure. Um, You know, it's funny because at first when I thought I was like, oh my gosh, yes. And then I thought about, you know, like you said, the implications of kind of being interviewed about your period, which is kind of, you know, something that's not always the most comfortable topic to talk about even with people that you're close with. Um, but my whole experience basically with type one diabetes has been like, uh, you know, this crazy thing is happening in your body and, you know, a doctor might be like, well, you know, uh, it just affects your, you know, insulin and that's all you need to worry about. But as we all know, that's not life. And if I can help share some wisdom, then, by all means, that's part of my personal and professional mission here. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, cool. So I would say that, you know, diabetes, maybe especially, but in a lot of walks of life, you know, we always, we sort of just deal with things on the surface, right? You say things like diabetes is hard, and but then no one really <laughs> says anything more. Like, what do you mean by that? You know, like, wouldn't you have loved it if the doctor would have said diabetes is hard? Because understanding how insulin works is kind of complicated, and, you know, I'm going to give you some details about that now instead of just like, you know, looking at your A1C and your and your blood sugars and going, oh, well, you know, don't feel bad. It's not that easy. Like, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, can we go deeper? It right there. Yeah, yeah, let's go <laughs> a little deeper, could we? And so this is a real thing that you see people online. I don't see it as much because I'm a not actually a person who lives with type one diabetes and B, I'm a guy. But I do see people talk around it a lot there. Right? They ask a lot of questions like, oh, you know, do you have any advice for you know, when my hormones are like that, sort of like that. But I just don't want to talk about it that way. Like I want to talk about it in in sort of just real legitimate, real terms, because to be perfectly honest with you, my daughter looks a little more like a woman every day. And this is going to start 
happening to me. And, right. you know, well, to watch her. out. <laughs> watch out. That was going to happen to you, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. My, um, I think it was Sunday this week. My wife was just being super nice to me. And I was like, oh, God, she's going to get her period in a couple of days. <laughs> and, and I said that to her. I said, hey, are you ready for, you know, your period to come? And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, you were just, you were so nice to me today. Like, I either have, like, like a cancer diagnosis I'm not aware of that you're trying to figure out how to tell me about, you know, or, or, or you're being flooded with a really positive amount of hormones at the moment because I seem like Brad Pitt to you today. And, and, and so, and then sure enough, it was like two days later, she's, she looked at me like she, she always hates that I know, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, you're like not supposed to say anything about it, I think, yeah. but like you're supposed to know. No, but don't say. I don't have that filter, honestly. <laughs> I mean, and how am I not going to say she's laying on my sofa last night after work looking like she got hit by three cars and then was drugged inside like by an oxen on a rope, it, 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 you know, and she's just laying there. She's just like, everything, I'm fine. It's okay. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, you look great. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing is, you know, you got to. Yeah, a 21st century modern woman and kind of soldier on. It really, but, uh, you know, it really is something, Sam. Like, I saw her get up for work that first day where it really hit her. You know, not the first day, but the second day, I guess. And uh, and I just looked at her and I thought, like, I would stay in bed. Like, I, would, <laughs> I wouldn't get up. I'd be like, no, I can't come to How would I come to work? I'm dying. And so, <laughs> but... Um, so listen, to start off, by the way, we've already started. Um, oh, okay. so I'll have you introduce yourself in a second, but I have been for the last 20 minutes online reading euphemisms for menstruation. Um, oh, no. and some of them, <laughs> some of them are hilarious and some of them I know and some of them I didn't. So I, I really did consider calling this episode like aunt Flo and Sam talk about type one diabetes or something like that. But now I'm like, I, have you heard these like code red? <laughs> lady time is one I use actually, but I am also a huge fan of lady bits when talking about girls' delicate parts. Um, oh. So crimson tide and or crimson wave shark yeah. week. <laughs> and then one that I never heard before, but after I looked into it farther, having the painters in, I thought was very interesting. Um, the, the, the article that I'm reading from independent, it's like from the a UK thing. It's from the independent. It says that in Finland, they call it mad cow disease. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. No, I'm not familiar with that yeah, one. <laughs> I don't know what granny stuck in traffic means, but that's big in Denmark, apparently. <laughs> I, I don't know what maybe, any... If you, maybe it doesn't translate. Maybe it doesn't translate. Staying for the minstrel show? I don't even... I don't, I don't know. Um, Is there an option to leave? <laughs> yeah, right? Could you just opt out of the minstrel show and be done with it? Anyway, some of them are horrifying. Uh, some of them are not really... I'm not going to repeat. Uh, but do... Do you, like, I do find Mad Max Fury Road funny for some reason. <laughs> um, but, but do you talk around it in your regular life? And do you have a favorite euphemism, I guess? I'm going to ask you first. Uh, that's a really good question. Um, you know, I think I'm pretty straightforward about it. I think as, like, cagey about it as I might get is being like, it's that time of the month or something like that. Um, which is funny. My best friend texted me um, yesterday and she was like, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm feeling a little crazy. It's that time of the month. And I thought how funny because it's my best friend and like, she still isn't like, Hey, I'm on my period. Um, right. But you know, I think we just kind of, we want to be ladies. We're brought up to be, you know, kind of taught about what's appropriate to say, um, in front of mixed company and what's not. And, 
Um, you know, this is an area, even when I was thinking about us talking about it, like, oh, I can't believe I'm going to be talking about this. But it's a reality. And especially for people who live with type 1 diabetes, you know, um, our bodies are kind of science experiments on display for uh, our doctors, for sure, and ourselves and also the people around us. So whether you call it by its name or you call it by a cute other name, like, you know, those commercials for tampons, and they're like, Aunt Flo is in town. I always thought that was really cute, but I could never see myself actually saying Saying that. it out loud. <laughs> yeah. So there's options. <laughs> Whatever yeah. makes you feel comfortable, I guess. All right. All right. Well, for today's purposes, we're going to just call it Justin Bieber because I don't like him. But, um, <laughs> but, but so seven minutes into it, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? <laughs> Sure. Okay. Hi. Uh, my name is Samantha Markovitz, and I am a twenty-something uh, who lives with type one diabetes. Um, I was diagnosed in twenty fourteen. In fact, Monday is my three year anniversary, wow. as they say. And I uh, also do this. I talk to people about their life with diabetes and their overall wellness as a job. Um, I'm a, a Mayo Clinic certified wellness coach and my focus is people, individuals, families who live with type one diabetes because it's a really tough, it's a tough thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot more that goes into it than as we talked about, you know, diabetes is hard. Um, it is hard. And I, I do, I talk about why, and we talk about how, you know, to, to move past some of the challenges and, uh, achieve all the goals that people want to set out to do. So that's one of the reasons I think I'm more open to talking about kind of a tough subject is um, there's like no such thing as a subject in type 1 diabetes that isn't tough. So add this one to the mix. Yeah. No, no, no kidding. And see, it's funny when you, like when I, I reached out, I think on my Facebook page, and I was like, anybody want to, like adults want to come talk about their period? And, and when you emailed <laughs> me finally, I recognized in the signature line of your email that something like that was your job but as i'm known to do i didn't actually check into it at all so i'm I'm legitimate we'll figure it out when we're talking so um so so you were just okay 20 something i hear what you're saying late 20s you don't want to say and um and uh is that what is am i right or no i'm sorry oh yeah 25 all right so okay so hey you're 25 so you were diagnosed in three years ago when you were 22 just finishing up college Actually, um, I graduated on the earlier side, so I was already in the I was in the working world okay. when I was diagnosed. And this is not the topic of this uh, <laughs> this podcast, but man, is it a good story? Uh, you got a good story? Oh yeah. Well, maybe we'll get to it at the end. Okay, so so you've been living with type one for three years. Let's just kind of get the basics down. Are you doing injections? Are you have an insulin pump? Do you have a glucose monitor? I am very fortunate that I have access to uh, technology, and so I use the Omnipod by Insulet, and I am like the biggest fan, and I also use a CGM Dexcom, and again, huge fan. Those are two game-changing devices, I think. Insert the ad here. Okay, so um, and so they both sponsor the podcast. I don't know if you actually oh, listen to the podcast. I'm not being paid, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, don't worry, I, I am. Talk. <laughs> oh. um, no, they're just been very kind to 
to sponsor the podcast, um, and it helps keep it going because it's more. When I started it, I was all like, I want to have a podcast, and like six months into it, I was like, this is a lot of work, and it's taking up a lot of time, and I'm having to explain to my wife why things around the house aren't done. I'm like, but I got a podcast up, and she was like, wait, what? <laughs> I was like, all right, I'll take ads. Uh, so, um, but there are two companies that. Um, I, I think the world of, and we use the, the devices as well. So, um, both of them, actually, my daughter has been on Omnipod since she was four and she's 12 and, uh, we've been using Dexcom since the seven plus, however long ago that was, seems like a long time now. Um, okay. So let's dive right in. We are here to talk about what it's like to manage your type one diabetes during lady time. So, um, I think also, I think I just want to start at the beginning. So, Lady time doesn't start on the day that it starts. It's It can start days before, right? You start having hormonal shifts and things like that. Does that begin to affect your blood sugar right then, or does it not until the actual event occurs? Um, well, you're very right in, in saying, obviously, um, just because you're not necessarily visually and physically aware that your um, lady time has started, that it's begun to affect your blood sugar. Um, I won't get too technical, but you know, they call it a menstrual cycle for a reason. And the cycle lasts all month long, basically. And, um, you know, there's stuff going on in our bodies that we're not totally aware of because there's just not a reason for us. There's no symptom of it generally on the outside or inside. Um, but what I noticed with having type one diabetes is that it definitely is something that you start to notice a couple weeks in advance usually. Wow. Um, and that's, you know, I almost imagine it. It's like a, it's like a climb of a mountain, you know, like a roller coaster or something where like, you're like, Ooh, my numbers are not as, as tight as they usually are. And maybe I'm having weird reactions to things that I wouldn't normally. And then, Oh shoot, it looks like, you know, my baseline numbers are higher than they normally are. And I can't seem to take enough insulin to get them down. Oh, I'm definitely insulin resistant. Then you kind of coast along on that for a while, and then you start to like notice, like, okay, it's not quite as bad. It must be coming. Uh, <laughs> I'm so, insulin resistant, but I can fool around with it. What you just said is almost horrifying because I am a person who, you know, for the lack of a better word, manages someone else's type one diabetes, and I, <laughs> I've done it. You know what I mean? Like sometimes fully, a hundred percent, and sometimes we, you know, as time goes past, my daughter takes on more and more of the mantle of it and everything, but we still do it together. And what you just said is that two weeks prior to, let's call it D-Day, when we're, there are going to be so many euphemisms in this episode, two weeks prior to D-Day, you start having a problem. D-Day lasts a week. So you're telling me that three of the four months or three of the four weeks of the month are somehow affected by, by your visitor? Um, I first let me say I, I can, say so I can acknowledge that being that sounding pretty terrifying. And as the person who actually lives with it, it can be very terrifying. Mm -hmm. But um, and I think that this is probably you know underscores everything when we talk about diabetes, which is um, not only will your diabetes vary, but your diabetes will vary month to month. Um, so just because like there are some months where it's like. Well, three of the four weeks, I am like fighting some sort of hormonal swing that I am like pretty much 100% sure is related to 
um, my cycle versus, you know, some months I'm like, hey, things are going pretty smoothly. Okay, it's a few days before there's, you know, a little bit of insulin resistance. And now it's here. And I'm just watching to make sure it doesn't do anything crazy and drop. But man, that was pretty smooth. Mm -hmm. Um, So what I'm saying is some months might seem pretty terrible. But other months, you might get a pass. But of course, that means it's hard to create uh, systems because you don't always know you if like patterns. the system is going to work for the situation that you find yourself in. So just just like, and I've been married a long time, I know what I'm talking about, just like there are se- levels of severity with the girl flu, there are levels of severity with um, with how your blood sugar is going to be affected by what we're going to call Shark Week this time. Absolutely, yes. Okay, okay. All right, so... Okay, I'm with you. All right, so when you start seeing, and and let me ask one last question before I start asking more technical questions. Um, is there is there a downtime in that three week period? Like if you think of the two weeks as the lead up, and then the one you know four days, five days, the week of the event. I love saying the event for some reason. Um, <laughs> it's, it makes it sound so majestic. Are are there times that even while it's happening, it just stops being? affected like you stop being affected by like are, are, can you be in the middle of your i guess i have to say flow right here and like and it just not I, this is fantastic and then it just not be an issue anymore could your insulin needs just go right back or is it as long as you're having evidence <laughs> evidence i can't believe how good i am at talking around this um yeah um, as long as you have evidence is it is it affecting your blood sugar um I would say that, again, this is something that varies, and I'm sure it varies person to person, but again, even as one individual. We're talking um, about you, so, you know, yeah. yeah. Uh, I would say, in my experience, that there are definitely times where things kind of just, like, fall back into place. Like, sometimes it's for a day or two in the middle of, like, that buildup, but then, as you said, when you get to the event, um, a lot of times it just kind of, like, floats back into place. And this is where I get like really careful about um, getting angry at like the insulin resistance that kind of happens right before, because if you get too angry and you increase, you know, your basils too much, or, you know, if you're on injections, you know, that's a whole other ball game, what you're doing to get ready for that. But, um, you know, bolusing corrections, and then all of a sudden your body's like, no, we're good again. And then you're setting yourself up for a crash. So it's definitely just uh, really important to monitor that because that can happen. Well, that's such an interesting thing. I mean, that that's such an interesting issue with diabetes to begin with, right? Because because I always talk about like trying not to be afraid of your insulin, and at the same mm-hmm. time, when you're when you're in the middle of something that's temporary, it's not like you get a note in the mail. It's like, hey, for the next three days, your blood sugar is going to be temporarily more difficult to handle. And, and you know, and please don't bolus heavily after 4 p.m. on the 3rd. Like, it doesn't come like that. Like, you're just like, you know, you're like, come on, more, 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 more basil, yeah. more bolus. And yeah. then, like you said, all of a sudden, whatever is causing that resistance just stops. And if you've got a, if you've got a, a, a you know, a fistful of insulin inside of you, you're you're eating a lot all of a sudden or in, or, or in trouble. Like, you know what I mean? Like if you don't mm-hmm. have the glucose monitor and you don't have those sorts of things. Um, and so this is just another aspect of that. Can I, uh, can I ask you, does it start with like, do you temp basil a lot? Like do increase temp basils during this time? I do. And this is where, you know, I'm incredibly grateful for both CGM and my pump, uh, because 
it does give me the ability to, you know, I start watching on, well, I'm always watching on the CGM, let's be honest, <laughs> but the CGM is showing you like, okay, you know, these crazy things are happening, you know, the the food didn't react the same, and also like we're just kind of sitting at is much higher than normal. Um, so what are you going to do about it? And my answer is often, let's try attempt basil. So I definitely utilize that. Yeah, and we talk about, you know, this is kind of cool to talk to you because you don't really listen to the podcast, which is great. But I talk about a lot here, just basic concepts. And one of them always is, is if your blood sugar is high, you probably you need more insulin. You, you know, like you either don't have enough insulin or you if it's a wrapped around a food situation, you maybe have significantly mistimed it maybe, you know. Mm-hmm. But, but that's the same idea, I guess, is that when your body calls for more, you need more. Like Arden was just sick last week. I think it was just a head cold, but it lasted three or four days, and I used significantly more insulin in those three or four days than I normally do. But, you know, we also didn't have blood sugars that were, you know, when when I tell you she was sick and her her, her blood sugars were affected adversely, what that means is we got stuck in the 160s and the 180s sometimes, Mm -hmm. not the 300s or, or greater. Like, we you know, continued to push back. I was like, you know, I always talk about like when the, when the diabetes attacks me, I attack it back. You know, like I don't sit there. That's and how go, I like to think about it. Yeah. I'm like, this is, <laughs> this is my fight. Yeah. Right. Like, like why would you, I always say like, you know, it, it was, it, it was aggressive with me. So I was aggressive back with it. And you know, like, and when it's not aggressive with me then I'm, I'm a little more easy going, but, but you can sort of stay on top of, I think, you know, I, I, I've used as an example in the past, like over, I actually got Arden's, uh, my daughter Arden's A1C to decrease over like the Christmas season. And our, and our, endo- our endocrinologist was like, that is really something. You know, she's like, I, I spend my entire month after Christmas telling people it only went up a point. It was Christmas and Thanksgiving. Don't worry. But I just, as the, as there were more carbs, I was just more aggressive, you, you know? Um, and, and I'm kind of grateful for that that lesson, I guess, because when Arden starts to get her period, then you said it, I, we got to get to it eventually. We're a half hour yeah. in almost. Right. And so uh, we, 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 thank you. <laughs> when, when she, when that, and plus I'm not going to call it shark week for my 12 year old daughter. <laughs> Although I am at some point going to try to slip in this one. I was sabotaged by my baby box. I think that one's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but naturally I want to slip it in, not just reading it like that. Um, anyway, and so, so you know, when that starts happening for her, I want to try to give her the tools to deal with it. Like, and, and, Absolutely. And I think that it's going to be a similar concept. You know, I, I, I want people to sort of understand that it doesn't matter if it's something that's carb effect was greater than you expected it to be. Uh, you know, as far as a food or a drink or something like that, or if it's, you know, you getting upset and, you know, like your cortisol, like going up or, you know, you have, you know, anxiety or whatever it is that makes your blood sugar go up, no matter what it is, you have to, you need more insulin now. Like, you know, like when, if it's a simple concept, but when people get upset, their, their blood sugar can go up. Right. And so when I get upset, my pancreas just goes, Oh, this, guy needs more insulin and you know and when you are using a you know a portable pancreas like you know like you and my daughter are it's not as easy the pan you know the the, the insulin pump doesn't automatically magically understand that you just got i don't know kicked in the leg by a you know by a goat or that that's not a euphemism <laughs> for anything i'm just saying like if something unexpected happens to you all of a sudden and you get you, you know you get jolted 
I can see her blood sugar start going up. I can see when she heads off to school and she knows it's going to be a particularly tough day or she's got to take a test she doesn't think she's ready for. She needs more insulin then. You, you know, yeah. and so, and I'm sure you see that too. If you got a rough day at work, you kind of need a little more. But we get a little conditioned to think, well, no, my, my basal rate is this and it, it works most of the time. It should work now. When it doesn't work now, people start looking for other reasons. But mostly the other reason is you just need more insulin. So. Exactly. You hit on a lot of good points there. Yeah. I'm a genius. Now, um, let's, <laughs> there's a lot of sarcasm in that statement. Um, okay. So let's, let's nuts and bolts it a little more, right? So sure. uh, it comes, it, you know, you, you notice it changing. You start off with temp basal rates. At what point do you find yourself, at what point prior to the day, do you find yourself literally having to bolus for it? So I'm online this morning and I see this person who's posted a, a graph from their Dexcom CGM and they're desperately trying to figure out why their child's blood sugar is getting high during a sporting event. And I'm looking at the thing and I'm just, wow, it doesn't make any sense. Seems like it was a good pre bowl This looks like uh, for the meal that happened earlier, everything looks good. And then I realized, oh, I see what's happening. They're using a tubed pump and the child is disconnecting from their insulin before the activity. The activity that's taking almost three hours. The kid doesn't have insulin for three hours. That's why your blood sugar is high. There's no insulin. What would stop that? Hmm. Let's think very closely. Would it be the Omnipod tubeless insulin pump that you can keep on constantly during activity, even when you're swimming or bathing or running up the side of a mountain or playing sports if you're a kid? Yes. Yes, it would be. Why are you not right now pausing this episode and going to myomnipod.com? forward slash juice box and signing up for a free demo pod. Please, it is free and there's no obligation. We go over this all the time. When something is free and there's no obligation, there's literally no reason not to try. They'll send you out the demo. You'll see if you like it. You probably will. And then Omnipod will help you start up the process, the very quick and easy process of getting things through your insurance company or if you're a cash paying customer, boom, whatever. Next thing you know, you're pumping insulin 24 hours a day, seven days a week, not just when it's convenient for the tubing. Live life untethered with Omnipod. Go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. Get going right now. Now, let's talk about Dexcom, shall we? The Dexcom G5 mobile continuous glucose monitoring system is the first FDA approved device to let you make treatment decisions without pricking your finger. Just think about what that means. Sure, less finger sticks, but that's just the beginning. The future, my friends, is now. To begin managing your type 1 diabetes with the same great technology that has helped Arden, say, oh, that has helped, eh, with the same great technology that has helped, <laughs> with the same great technology, with the same great technology that has helped us to keep Arden's A1C between now 5.6 and 6.2 for over three years, you have to visit dexcom.com forward slash juice box, or just click on the link in your show notes. You know what? And Dexcom would like me to read a disclaimer, so I'm going to do that right now. Finger sticks are still required for calibration where if your symptoms or expectations do not match readings or when taking medication containing acetaminophen. Now listen, I'm not allowed to tell a personal story during the Dexcom ads. If I was, I'd tell you one from just last night, and it would have to do with this exact same thing, but I'm not allowed to, so I can't. But trust me, if I was allowed to, it would be a story that you would love and it would make you go to Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. But I can't. But you should. Also, don't forget about the Omnipod ad I just read. You want to go to myomnipod.com 
forward slash juicebox and dexcom.com forward slash juicebox and you are going to get on the technology train. You're going to start living free, baby. Now let's get back to Samantha and talking about her lady time. You know, I guess I don't really, I haven't really thought of it that way. I, in my mind, and perhaps this goes back to the the kind of poor diabetes education I was given <laughs> when I was diagnosed as an adult and they're like, we don't know what to do with you. You're an adult and you have type one diabetes. Um, but in my mind, I think of bolusing for food. And then I think of when I give myself like a correction, like that's something separate, but it's not, it's mm-hmm. just a bolus. Yeah. Um, but I guess yeah, that a is, correction is is just the it's the addition to a bolus that went wrong. Honestly, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it totally is, and that's a, probably exactly how it should be taught. And perhaps in many pediatric clinics, that's exactly how it is being taught. Um, but I would say that even like that, you know, week or two prior, depending, um, you know, the temp basal is good, but it it's not always perfect. So just to get that fine tuned, but it might be like a micro bolus, you know, it might be 0. 0.1, 0. 0.15, 0. 0.2, 0. 0.25. To nudge your blood sugar around a little bit. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm kind of a... Um, a bumper you know. and a nudger? <laughs> yeah, yeah, a bumper and a nudger. Sh- sugars, mm-hmm. do, you, do you know about sugar surfing? Is that how you think of it? Yeah, I was going to say I, I would kind of consider myself a surfer, but... Um, that would also be funny because I'm not a surfer like in real life. So I didn't, didn't know if I should say that if people would know. <laughs> I literally would have just said red wave after that. And then I, it would have gone off the tracks completely. Oh man, yeah, but, I can't believe I missed that yeah, opportunity. Dr. Ponder was on the podcast last year. So, um, oh, he's awesome. yeah. yeah, we started talking. I didn't know who he was. Um, I got a bunch of notes from people who were like, you have to have this guy on. I was like, okay. So he gets on, he starts talking about what he does. And I start talking about what I do. And I was like, Oh, we're saying the same thing with different words. You know, like we, we were just have a very similar concept. Uh, so it was, it was great to talk to him about it. And, you know, because, you know, you said earlier, a correction, you know, what is a correction really? I, I say it all the time. If, if I've, if I've chosen to bolus 10 units for, for a meal, and an hour later, it takes two more units to get me back to where I was. Well, then the meal needed 12 units. Or I significantly maybe mistimed a pre-bowl. So, I mean, if you don't pre-bowl, I don't know how you're living. Like, that's <laughs> get, like that's insane. But but you know what I mean? Like, maybe yeah. the 10 those units. things make a difference. Yeah, right. Like, because those 10 units could have been too much had you pre-bowlist, I don't want to say well, better. If you would have pre-bowlist better, maybe the 10 units would have been too much. But instead... You got to rise, and now that food's taking twelve units, and you just have to. You got to go back at it. You can't just sit there and stare at it and go, "Well, I hope it comes down," because it does sometimes for some people. Sometimes, you know, three hours later they drift back down again. But in my mind, I'd rather see you get your blood sugar back to where you want it to be, and three hours later have to have a you know some sort of a fast-acting carb because you now have a little too much insulin, than spend three or four hours with your blood sugar elevated like that. Yeah, that's always a tough one, especially, you know, taking into consideration, like, what's coming next? You know, are you sitting on the couch or working on homework or working? Or is it, you know, you're about to go do something athletic and then that extra (laughs) boost might be a little bit too much extra, like you said? Yeah. But again, and so what I would say is that it's easier to stop a falling blood sugar than it is to affect a high one. I say that too, usually. Yeah, I would rather be caught in that fight than the other one. Uh, but again, somebody who's a glucose monitor, you know, so I have a backup, and you know, yes, it's, it's e- easier to say that, that in that situation. So, how about this? How much does your 
Hmm. How much do you think pain affects your blood sugar outside of your your period? Like, would, do you notice pain, like physical pain, requires insulin? That's a really, really excellent question. And I think a lot of times I sit down when I when I think about these things and I'm like, well, was it pain? Was it this? Is it stress? You know, there's a lot of different physical and emotional sensations, as you you know have already mentioned, that affect these things. And I would say I can't think of too many times where I've attributed having to take more insulin to being in pain. Um, but I have definitely thought about, and I don't know if you mean outside of my period, like in general, or as far as like pain associated with that. Well, like, I was going to connect it together because like I, a story that people know is my daughter got, was pitching in a softball game and she got hit in the knee with a, that eventually gave her a hair. It was a hairline fracture. Oh, ow. And we both, we had to bulge for days for that until the pain went away. Like she needed a significant amount of insulin just from that. Um, and, and so then I was going to like dovetail it into my wife does look like she's in a lot of pain during her period sometimes. So I was just wondering like, does the pain need insulin or, you know? Yeah, I think actually, so I can't, you know, speak to that kind of separate sensation of pain. Thankfully, um, you know, I'm an adult. I don't, kind of get into too many rough and tumble situations these days, <laughs> knock on wood. Um, You're not tussling with people at all, Sam? No, I mean, I'm not going to tell you about it for sure. But You're not in a fight club that no one knows about? <laughs> I can't talk about it, you know that. I understand. Uh, so basically what, you know, one of the largest sources of pain that I experience on a regular basis is, you know, that, that monthly... Um, you know, dealing with, yeah. with cramps, headaches, stomach aches, you know, kind of the the fun variety that can come along with all that. And here's where it all comes full circle, I think, is that I do notice that the months that are not accompanied by uh, crazy amounts of cramps, stomach aches, headaches, pain of any sort affiliated with um, being on my period things are a little bit smoother sailing um, and they don't, it doesn't seem to require as much extra insulin. And I say extra kind of with air quotes, because like you said, it's not extra if your body needs it, but just more than what you're used to. You don't have a boyfriend. Uh, you don't have pain from that. I, my wife looks in pain a lot when I'm talking. That's why I was wondering. I, none <laughs> of that going on. Can you imagine having a conversation with a, with a, with a significant other and there being a giant pain in the butt and you literally pulling out your PDM starting to bolt. Yes. <laughs> when he says, I, when he says what's going on, it's like, I'm so irritated with you. I think this is going to require insulin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's probably one of the funniest uh, visuals I've thought of in relation to diabetes and relationships. Um, that's a good, that's a good one. I'm bolusing for your annoyance. <laughs> so. Yeah. You're making me so angry. I have to do this. I know I've been in situations, um, you know, stressful situations or other things, maybe somewhat painful physically where I've been afraid, you know, or mm -hmm. not afraid, but anticipated that I would need more insulin. Yeah. And I've kind of watched it and then maybe, you know, done a little bit of, of nudging later. Um, but as far as, you know, those months where you wake up in the middle of the night cause you're, you're in so much pain and you know, what's coming. Um, I think those are the times where you, where I do require more insulin, whether that's 
increased temp basil and, you know, extra bolusing and being more aware of food choices and how I bolus for my food and all of that kind of a comprehensive approach. Um, those are the months that are the tough ones. So maybe that is the pain. It's hard to, hard it's to hard say. to know, right? It, well, it's like everything else. It's hard to know. And, and, and in the end, what, what I'm going to end up thinking about this, I think, and taking away from this is it's just going to go back to something that I, I say all the time. People are like, well, uh, you know, this happened with my blood sugar. And I just I, I spent hours trying to figure out why. And I'm like, stop trying to figure out why and give yourself more insulin. <laughs> like, like, you can figure it out why later. But bolus now. Like, don't stand around for three hours, like, philosophizing about it. Just get yourself some more insulin and then figure it out. But um, so here's a question for you. Um, the malaise that sort of comes with with that time of the month, is it, does that make it more difficult to care about your diabetes? Oh, that's a, that's a really, really, really good question. Um, you know, for me, I would say, no, it might, it might make me quicker to become irritated or frustrated, but, um, <laughs> I'm just one of those people that is like, really, really, really engaged with their diabetes. Sure. And, and I, I think we'd like to think that everyone is. And I think at our, at our best times, everyone wants to be because they want what's best for their health or for their loved one that they're caring for. Um, but it can be hard. Yeah. And sometimes never... you just get bowled over too. Like you just get exhausted and you know, yeah. I don't want to say you're not that far into it, but three years and you're in your early twenties. Like if you don't have energy at this point in your life, you're in trouble, you, you, you know, like, so, but you know, I can, I, I definitely have had moments where after a couple of bad nights in a row, I look at a 180 blood sugar and I go, you know what? I can't, I got, I gotta go to sleep. You, you, you know, like I, I, I can't like, you know, I'm trying, but I can't. And I just didn't know if, you know, what you see most often, like with any kind of an illness, like an illness in general, even if it's just one that's, you know, here and gone, is that the, what anybody would tell you who sells medication is the biggest problem they have is compliance. And and I know that's a dirty word around diabetes, but I don't mean it to be like that. I mean, like, you know, if you get your Z-Pack, the biggest problem people, the doctors have is that people don't finish the Z-Pack. You know, yeah, they start feeling, right? They start feeling better and then they go, um, and then they forget it. Or... You're so damn sick that at some point you just go, I'm going to lay down and go to sleep and wake up when this is gone. And, you know, and like, and don't take the medication there. I tried it recently with, I had a fairly significant shoulder surgery about five or six months ago that I'm, I'm pretty well back from now. But yeah. in the first day or so, I said to my wife, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to take the pain medicine the way he said to, because I don't want to take all that pain medicine, you, you, you know, until the pain really hit me. And then I was like, give me two of those. And so, <laughs> but, 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 you know, like there's a lot of things that can happen. Sometimes you're just too sick to take good care of yourself. And when you have diabetes, that's scary, obviously. But mm -hmm. when it's every month over and over and over again, I wonder if some people don't just get to the point where they're like, you know what? My period's here. My blood sugar is going to be high. There's nothing I can do about it and just let it go. You know, I wonder if that doesn't happen to people. Ooh, I have something to say about that. Good. Um, <laughs> I'm going to drink while I think, you do it. I think that that absolutely does happen. And I think there's a couple of reasons why it does. One yeah. is simply for exactly why you said, because it's tiring and it happens every month. And you know that you don't have control over it. But then again, we don't really have control over anything, anything. with diabetes. But we do our best to, you know, mitigate. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. The, the destruction in its path. Um, but I think, and this is kind of where I started out with it is that 
you know, I started noticing that this was happening to me at the beginning of my, you know, post life post diagnosis. And I said to medical professionals, you know, I've noticed that this is happening. You know, I think my A1C would be a lot better. And again, I'm kind of I'm kind of type A, actually, I don't know if I've mentioned this at all. But so, you know, my idea of, you know, really needing to tamp down the A1C, you know, might be different than the average person, everyone's kind of got their own goals there. But I was not happy with, (laughs) with what was going on, because I knew that if I could just, or I thought that if I could just get the cycle issues, um, you know, under control, if I could figure out how to deal with my blood sugar during those you know, really hormonal periods that I could, um, quote, do better, you know, which is more just, you know, have a better A1C and anyway. Yeah, no, no, I know exactly what you mean. Like it just, because I've had the same concept and I don't, I won't derail you for a second, but one of the major ways that I got my daughter's A1C to come down from the horrible place where it was at one point was I was like, oh my God, she's sleeping for 10 hours a night. I have to take advantage of that. Or yes. why are we giving away the hours while she's at school? Like, why, yes. why are we just going, well, she's at school. What am I going to do? I was like, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to figure out something to do. You, you, you know, and, and once I got those two things locked down, you know, people will definitely get tired of hearing it who, have, have, uh, who listen to the podcast. But I think it's important to say is that Arden's A1C has been between 5'7 and 6'2 for three and a half years. And that's amazing. But it's from those concepts of taking advantage of gaps of time. And now, and when you're talking about your period is three weeks long in, in, in diabetes. Oh, in diabetes years, like dogs (laughs) in diabetes years, a period lasts three weeks. We've made up a new saying. Go ahead. I like that because it's true. And and I'll wrap up on what I was saying. You have like, I have so many things to say about this. So um, you know, basically I went in and I was like, you know, look, I know that if I get this under control, that this is going to improve my outcome. So I want to do that. And you're the doctor. So you're going to tell me how to do that. Right. Yeah. And, you know, you <laughs> kind of get that like sweet blank stare of like, well, you know, it's hormones and there's not really much you can do, especially, you know, at the very beginning when I was on injections, mm-hmm. that's a whole other kind of thing to attack. But, um, you know, they're, they're one suggestion for me was, well, we could put you on a birth control pill and that will help regulate your hormones. And that wasn't an option that I wanted to do for a variety of reasons. I just didn't feel like that was the right choice for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, you know, I'll just throw a couple of them in there. One is um, weight gain that can come from those pills also causes insulin resistance. So uh, I wasn't trying to fight that gain it, in one, gain it in one place and lose it in another. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, you know, I just, I didn't want to add anything extra and I, I didn't, you know, it wasn't something that I needed. And so I wasn't sure that this was an area that I wanted to, to add another medication. Um, mm-hmm. so I kind of had to set out and figure it out For myself. Yeah. And the number one thing is, and this is diabetes, I think it, sh- it should be diabetes 101. And I, I'm not sure, again, if this is something that's being taught in other places that I had to figure out for myself, which is get to know your body. And in your case, you're managing someone else's diabetes. So there's only so much getting to know it that you can do from the outside. But you start to know, you know, especially with CGM, you feel things you and then you see it backed up on the CGM, you know, and you're like, okay, 
this is what's going on. We have a plan for this and we're going to see if it works. Um, but like you said about being at school and, and being asleep, you know, those are, those are big chunks of time that, you know, if we start to let them go, you know, then we're letting go a lot of our time. And again, with the three weeks of, you know, diabetes period life, you know, that's a lot. That's, most of the month. Yeah. So well, we can't, we can't, we don't have the luxury, I should say, of just letting it go. Well, no kidding, because when you really put it into those terms, and this is what I was talking about at the beginning about, we never dig down into like what things mean. What you just basically said is in a 52 week year, you're, if you, if you take the, the attitude of like, well, there's nothing I can do because I'm having my garage painted right now, then that means that only 12 weeks of the year do you feel like you have a, you know, sway over your blood sugar. 12 right. or 52 weeks. Having your garage painted is my favorite one so far. I just want you and, to know. And I really want to applaud you on how, like, smoothly and casually Thank you, you that one in there. I just slipped it right in there. No pun, <laughs> again, with the garage thing. But anyway, um, so, yeah, but but that that's a, that's real-world terms. If you're going to accept that during my, my period that I, I can't do as well with my blood sugar, what you're saying is that I really only am going to have good success for 12 weeks of a 52-week year, and that is not going to lead to an A1C that you're going to that you're going to look at and go, okay, this means, you know, and by the way, I understand, I, we talk about all the time, I understand A1C is not the only level of measurement right. of, of your health, but it is really, it's what we have right now. You, you, you know what I mean? Like, and, and variability, I mean, we could talk for an hour and a half about variability. Like, you, your blood sugar can't be 400 for three hours and then 52 for 10 hours and then go, hey, my A1C is great. You're right, that, that right. doesn't matter. You need a steady you know, a steady blood sugar in a, in a, in a safe range that, that, that delivers back, a, a, you know, a lower A1C, that's when your A1C is a valuable measure of your health. But, but you know, that, the point of it is, is that if you want to go back and look and say, hey, I'm comfortable with where my A1C is and how my blood sugars are, you have to figure this out. Like, you, you can't just throw your hands up and go, well, I guess I don't understand. And so, oh, well. You, you know what right. I mean? Because at that point, you might as well just open up the gate Slap the cotton pony in the butt and let it run away because you've lost. And that's the end of it. That was too forced, Sam. That was too forced, <laughs> that one. All right, okay. You know, but you got to try. You never know if you don't try. Yeah, I understand. I really do. But still, I feel bad about it. I thought I was so good with the one before that. And then that one just, I might edit. I'm not going to edit it out. But I'm going to be disappointed when I hear it back one day. So Blew too uh, close to the sun, Scott. It's <laughs> <laughs> so true. It is really true. Oh, my God. I just saw one here and no one's going to say on the podcast. I'm sorry. I'm looking at this website still. Um, uh, so, I mean, that really, it's just such a big idea, right? I think I thought we were going to sit down and talk about the, you know, your period and everything. But what, what I learned in a really short time talking to you is that your period's nothing different. It's just another speed bump with diabetes that you need to figure out how to, how to traverse. It definitely is. And, you know, you, as you very fairly pointed out, I am only three years into um, a lifelong journey, and there are kids younger than me, just like your daughter, who have been doing this longer, and there are people who are older than me who have been doing it longer, and um, in the past three years, what I've learned is, well, enough to fill like a volume of books, yeah. but no, <laughs> some of the things that are relevant to what we're talking about that I've learned are, um, you know the things that are relevant to living with diabetes in general, which is you have to be your own advocate. 
if your doctor is telling you that you don't need to worry about it because there's nothing you can do about it, maybe take another look at that and go, well, I'm the one that's living with this. Let me see what I can do since I have a, a clear understanding of, you know, the challenge that I'm dealing with and also the tools I have to uh, attack it, you know, insulin, um, you know, whether you're on injections or a pump, of course, if you're on a pump, you have great things like temp basils and, you know, the ability to micro bolus and kind of do the surfing thing. Um, you definitely have to get to know your body. I think we, as human beings, for some reason, we like to detach ourselves from how we feel. And I'm sure there's plenty that could be said about that by like a psychologist or someone. But um, how we feel physically uh, is affected by how we feel, you know, emotionally and, and in our heads, but also the feelings that we feel um, or the experiences that we're having intellectually or emotionally also affect how we feel physically. And to not acknowledge that is going to make dealing with your period harder with diabetes. So get on board, listen, get uncomfortable because it's not always going to be smooth and happy, but you'll feel happier when you feel like you're getting a handle on the things that are challenging you in managing diabetes. And this is a big one. Yeah. I, I, I well, two things. I, first of all, I always say that it's, it's more difficult. It's more time consuming to deal with the ups and the downs of blood sugar than it is to just figure out how to get your blood sugar to one place and keep it there. Like that's a, a lot of work up front, but then it sort of pays you back on the back end. It's, you know, days are easier. Hours and hours are easier. Yeah. Um, you, you know, it's, it's, and I do think there are some people who enjoy drama in every aspect of their life. And I do think I've seen people who are like, oh, like they like to, you know, go, hey, look over here. I'm having a hard time. But that's your health. You know, don't 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 play fast and loose with that. Find another way. If, you, if you're a drama lover, find another way to, to get it back. But but the other thing I was going to say, you're talking a lot about there about about the the way you feel emotionally. And it's 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 not given enough um conversation that when your blood sugar is too high or too low, that you are sort of authentically not who you would be if your blood sugar was in a stable, like in range situation. Do you know what I mean? Like you're that, I don't know if people really understand that the amount of blood that is in your sugars, it affects how your brain works and whether that means there's too much sugar and you're foggy and lethargic and it's hard to think and, and, and hold a conversation or maybe to have the reactions to what's going on around you that you would normally have or if it's your blood sugar being so low that you're, you know, on the precipice of dizzy and kind of like flighty and hard to like follow. Those are, to me, as a person who's watching a person I love live with type 1, that's, it's an unfair robbery of your of your moments in your life you, you, you know what I mean like and that's always sort of my main goal is just to let my daughter be herself and I think of mm -hmm. accomplishing that by trying my best to keep her blood sugar in a place where that can happen you, you know and then that's, and then yeah, you compound that yeah you, know, you compound that with I mean you know listen I think feminism is for women. I, I don't think men have a lot of place in telling women how they should be. Um, you know, I think abortion is a conversation to be had among women. I think that, you know, I don't think it's my place. Um, I don't understand that it's not my life. I don't have the same body parts and that's it. Having said that, I, I'm pretty proud of my feminist feelings. You, you know what I mean? And so um, to think that, that some of these conversations aren't having happening just because people feel uncomfortable about having them because of maybe not so much about 
you know, how they feel about them, but the reaction that they're expecting back from other people, men or women, like that breaks my heart. Like women are so amazing. Like I've seen my wife do things I know I couldn't do. You, you, you know what I mean? Like I've, mm-hmm. I've seen her come home from work eight months pregnant after riding a train in from Manhattan for two hours, sitting on the floor of a train because no one would give her a place to sit. Like, like, do you know what I mean? Like, and I've seen her just come in the house and just keep going. And I was like, oh, I would have just thrown myself out of the car. You, you know what I mean? Like, I would be like, that's it. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. So many things that I've seen really just strong, amazing women do so many different things. I, I don't, I, it makes me sad and it's not my place to feel sad, but it's, but it does make me personally feel sad to think that these conversations don't get had because of the concern of what the response from other people is going to be. You know, and, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this because I just want to talk about it and uh, and and let it be out there as, as much as we absolutely could have it out there. Yeah, I th- I think that it's great that you're opening up this conversation, and um, you know, I I consider myself to kind of be you know a, a traditionalist, and I, I err on the side of being you know conservative about talking about things that I think are you know more private conversations. But I think this is something that is so important that if I had the opportunity to, you know, work, work on having a conversation with someone who's trying to get, you know, the word out there that, hey, this is a challenge that that girls, women who live with type one are dealing with. And um, just like everything else with type one, you know, really is a team sport. And if you're lucky, you have a great team around you. And if you're a kid, hopefully, you know, a child, that means your your parents and your other caregivers and your doctors. And if you're an adult, you know, it's your, certainly your family and your, your good friends and hopefully your doctors and, you know, eventually a significant other. But at the end of the day, these things kind of lie with the person who's living with it. And for there not to be resources or conversations or the availability of resources and conversations, um, I think that's something that, you know, will continue to get worked on. But but getting started on that journey is important. Um, you know, diabetes, again, going back to it, diabetes is tough. Like it's, it's hard, you know, I don't get to wake up in the morning and just kind of go about my day, just like you and your daughter don't get to do that either, but it becomes your life and it becomes the way that you do things. And for something that's affecting you three weeks out of the four of the month, you know, let's come up with some good suggestions. Let's figure out how to attack it. Let's not make it any different than anything else. Um, there's no reason for it to be different. It's just another thing. And I, you know, with all respect to your, your mostly conservative views, I think that, I think that if anything is proven out over and over again in, in illness communities, not just diabetes, is it just what you were saying is that the, the open sharing of information back and forth is really the only way that most people ascend to another level of understanding about their own disease, you, you yeah. know, because there's only so much doctors can do and there's only so much you're going to get out of a pamphlet. It's valuable to hear it from another person who's living it. Uh, they might say something you haven't thought of, or maybe they'll say something that connects two dots for you that you've had these two thoughts forever, never put them together like that before. These conversations happen. And then because it comes up on, well, now we're talking about a woman's period. Now, none of it gets talked about. That just sucks. You, you, you yeah, know, that's be, not right. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and because because there's nothing more, you know, I don't want to get all like weird and flowery, but there is nothing more human than the process of a woman going through her menstrual cycle. You're keeping the whole world populated with that 
really horrible process. You would think nature could have <laughs> thought of a better way, don't you think? If when I know. They, like, do you know what I mean? Like, do you think they were like down to like the last day and they're like, hey, what are we going to do about the reproduction thing? And someone was just like, oh, let's do it like this. And somebody said, oh, we'll get back to that and fix it up. And they never got back to it because it's a terrible process. It really, it's it really does suck. Like for the people who are charged with populating the world, you get the really short end of the stick. I mean, like, it's... (laughs) I've watched my wife for years, you know, and I've obviously no other women, and there's no one who skips around going, it's not that big of a deal. It's all fine. Don't worry about it. They're saying it, they're lying. They're lying. That's exactly (laughs) Much like when married people say they're happy. Um, No, I'm just kidding. I'm just just joking, Sam. (laughs) Mainly I'm joking. I'm I'm mostly joking. Married people over 20 years who say they're happy, those people are lying. But but that's (laughs) awesome. I'm just kidding. I really am kidding. Um, But... But, you know, seriously, like, it just, it sucks to think that you get to that one spot and then it stops being talked about, especially when our brief conversation, you know, made me think about it in a different way. We're literally talking about all but 12 weeks of the year, you know, and and if we're not talking about this, then I don't know how I expect my daughter to move forward and continue on with sort of the same success that she's having as a child. Okay, Sam, so let's, we have like a little bit of time left. Yeah. You're going to tell your crazy story about being diagnosed. Oh, okay. All right. Sound good? Uh, Unless you have something left you really want to say that I didn't get to. Oh, gosh. I mean, I honestly, I <laughs> I could probably t- continue talking about this for a while. But uh, yeah, let's. I'll, I'll tell you the Cliff Notes version because it's kind of long. So. Well, well, Sam, unless you want to just keep going and we'll call this episode Sam Loves Talking About Her Period. <laughs> 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 That's not exactly what I meant. I know. I meant, uh, you know, just to wrap up that thought, what I do... What I don't love talking about my period, just like most people, but what I do love talking about is um, empowering everyone with diabetes or who's affected by diabetes. And in this conversation, particularly women who are living with diabetes to um, have the information they need to make the choices that are going to make their lives um, full and healthy and wholesome and well-rounded and you know full of all the things that they wish for in their lives. because. That's that's how patient access should be to information, you know. And it's my something everyone that. it deserves, honestly. Exactly, we should be getting that information from our doctors, um, at least in our patient communities. And I think that's where a lot of people find their freedom. And it's certainly where I've found a lot of freedom in figuring out how to live, and not just live and be alive, but to really thrive um, with this condition. So yeah, I always <laughs> say like you have to. Like, it's just living well is the goal, right? Like just, yes. yeah, not just, I, yes. not just, not just staying, not just staying on your feet, but doing it with a, with a smile and, and, and knowing that you've, that you've put everything you can into it and that it's, and that it's, it's paying you back as best you can accomplish and, and, and that you're living the best life you can. I, I think that is huge. exactly where I'm going with that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Give it to All me. Right. What, what okay. happened when you were diagnosed? Cause you, you made it sound like at the beginning, like something crazy happened. Um, well, I'll let you be the judge. So I was, um, well, I started feeling symptoms. I guess I was still technically 21. Um, I had a really awesome high powered job, um, that, that was very, very involved in the film industry. Um, I'm out here on the West coast, Southern California. And I, I guess I was still pretty fresh graduate at that point from the university of Arizona, bear down. And I had this really, really great job, but I was working a lot. Um, but I was happy to be working a lot because it was just a really incredible opportunity. 
I was traveling, um, all kinds of stuff. And I started not feeling so great. But, you know, I was working sometimes up to 17 hour days, you know, if we were having events. And, um, you know, I was trying to, to balance working out and I was a healthy, you know, eater and I do all these things. And I was just trying to keep keep the ball rolling. Right. And um, my first experience, I had actually one of those things they do in workplaces now where they do um, some sort of screening. They bring in like a nursing company and they yeah. do your biometrics. And if you do all the things they ask you to do, then you get like a raffle ticket or something. And so I went to one of those and the nurse took my finger prick. It was a couple hours after I'd eaten and it was like slightly elevated. And of course, I knew nothing about blood sugar at the time. Um, but the nurse was like, well, you're like pre pre diabetic, like type two. So you should probably call your doctor and get, get some lab work done and just, you know, eat better. And I was like, Oh, okay. Well, I think I eat pretty well, but all right. So I called my doctor and told her what happened. And, um, they took the message down and the doctor called me back and she was like, we don't need to do any lab work. I'm not ordering any lab work. You're fine. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. You're so yeah. good at this over the phone and everything. <laughs> yes. And she was so confident about how fine I was. And and I didn't really feel all that bad yet. You know, I think I was just regular tired still. And so I, you know, trusted the woman who had been to medical school. Certainly I, I didn't know anything about my own health. So I was like, okay. But I didn't like the way that she treated the situation. So I made an appointment to see another primary care doctor but they weren't taking new patients till March. And this was November. And, but of course I didn't see a problem with that because, you know, I thought I was fine. So I continued on. Um, there was like another situation. I went to get my teeth cleaned. Again, I take good care of my teeth and the dental hygienist for like a quick second, she's like, your gums are bleeding a little bit. Do you have diabetes? And I was like, no, I don't have diabetes. And she was like, oh, well, you probably just need to floss better then. Like, okay, so, you know, there's like this interaction and like, well, you know, I'm not, everything's fine. I'm seeing that doctor soon. It'll be, it'll be okay. Um, then I started to get like very fatigued and I was super thirsty, but water tasted horrible to me. And I wasn't like a big juice or soda drinker, but all of a sudden, like, I really wanted to drink jo like juice and soda and like eat things that I wouldn't normally eat because it just was like the only thing that sounded good. So that wasn't really typical for anyone. And it wasn't typical for me. And I was getting up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. But you know, I'd consult with friends and family, like, you know, people get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, right? Oh, yeah, like, you know, that happens. So, you know, there weren't any of like the kind of flashing neon signs of like, something is very wrong, and you need to get checked out. And every time I'd kind of consulted with doctors and medical professionals along the way, people were like, eh, you're all right. It's not, you're fine. You're a, a healthy young woman. You're just stressed. That was the answer. You're stressed. And I couldn't argue with them. I was a little stressed, but Can it was I, all good. I'm going to inject here for a second. I, yeah. I'm insulted by that because I watched my, my poor wife had one of our children and then her thyroid went bonkers. And she tried for years to get a doctor to take her seriously from that and finally they'd give her a test and then say no you're within tolerances it's not that you know what it is you just need to lose weight like it, it's weird to see how quickly the medical community goes 
to, oh, you girls and your girl yeah. things, <laughs> you know, why don't you just sleep a little more, honey? You, you like, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, like it's I'd just, love to. yeah, yeah. But, but it's just, it, that, but no one says that to guys. You know what I mean? Like if a guy walks in and says, hey, look, I really think there's something wrong with me. Do you think the doctor would go, you just probably need more rest? You're delicate. No, I'd probably be like, you know, go rub some dirt in it, right? I, I'm telling you right now, I might be a little too sensitive about this, and maybe you could argue the other side of it, but I think that just intrinsically, men and women undervalue women. But like, do, you, do you know what I mean? Like, I think there's yeah, always in just... in a medical sense. I think there, yeah. I was just talking to someone about this as far as, you know, advo- patient advocacy is. It's hard sometimes because I think there is a tendency... Um, you know, to be like, well, you know, don't get hysterical. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Isn't that great to take the person who could pass a living person through their body and go, we know you're delicate. You, you know, like, uh, what are you talking about? That's that's insane. That is such old thinking. And it kind of boomerangs back to the, what we've been talking about the whole time. It's old, simplistic, jokey thinking about women being sensitive around their periods. And you know what I mean? Like, like trust yeah. me, if you flooded me with hormones, I'd get pretty damn sensitive too. You, you, you know, like, so it just, I don't know. People suck. That's what, that, that should be what this <laughs> Bottom is. Bottom line. Yeah, Wait, yeah, you yeah, think yeah, they yeah, suck yeah. now? Wait until you hear the rest of the story. Keep going. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> All right. So I, um, I'm like, okay, you know, this is going to be fine. I, I don't feel great, but but I was getting pretty tired. Like I wasn't keeping up on like laundry and, you know, things that, you know, are part of an orderly life, which, you know, I was a big fan of. Sam's and, not and washing am. her feet anymore. <laughs> like, was it that bad? Were you like, did you look homeless at any point or? No, no you know, and, and that was the thing, Scott, is I, and I was actually, I just was showing a friend some, like the last few pictures I have from before I was diagnosed um, last night. And I was like, look, you can't even tell like you look skinny, but like not like like concerned. Like I'd be concerned about you. I'd just be like, oh, you look good. You're skinny, and that was the thing. <laughs> is I was keeping it together because I had you know my job was in a very conservative office environment. You know I was wearing heels and and nice outfits to work every day and doing my makeup and my hair. You know no matter how exhausted I was, I was making sure that I kept up appearances because that's you know the entertainment industry is very um, aesthetically focused. Yeah, let's yeah, say. Yeah. So, and I was, and I was losing weight and everyone loves to say, oh girl, you look great. Or you lose a few pounds. Um, but I didn't really have a lot of weight to lose, to be honest. So, you know, I was losing weight. I was tired. All these things are going on. I went on a trip. I went to the Sundance Film Festival, which was incredible. Um, and that was for work. And so I was very busy, but I don't know if you've been to Park City, Utah, but the, um, the main street where a lot of the festivities are going on is very hilly. So I was hiking up these hills and I felt like I couldn't breathe and I was so thirsty. Um, but of course I was thirsty at a high elevation. You know, there's always a reason right. to feel, you know, I remember there was a, a vendor giving away Coca-Cola's at the top of the hill and I got one in my hand. I should have been in a Coke commercial. I was like, I, you know, swallowed <laughs> the whole thing down in like two seconds. And ah, so refreshed. <laughs> Um, so, you know, I had no idea. And thank, thank God that nothing happened to me while I was there. Um, because I can't imagine what kind of chaos would have ensued. In any case, I came home, you know, obviously the, the symptoms are intensifying, but the doctor's appointment now is just around the corner. So I went to go see that new doctor and she's never met me before, but 
you know, she listens to what I have to say. I had a list of symptoms that I brought to her and she's like, well, you know, let's, let's go, let's do some blood work. Let's do all these labs. And I even asked her about diabetes because my uncle has type one diabetes. He's a doctor. Um, and he was diagnosed when he was 38. And so I was 22 at the time. And, you know, basically I was too, (laughs) too old to have type one diabetes. And as they said, and I know is not necessarily true, too skinny to have type two. So, you know, that they just didn't really consider that to be an Where do you go to the doctor, Sam? (laughs) Like on the internet with people who don't understand anything? (laughs) And that's, and that's, that's terrible. Yeah. And, and, and I live in a major metropolitan area with one of the best hospital, you know, a top ranked hospital. And right. so, so she says, let's order all these tests. And I'm like, okay, fine. Um, I'll, I'll take that. I'll do it when it's convenient for me. Um, and the next day I woke up and I felt so terrible that I was going to call in to work. That's how bad I felt. And I'd never called into work sick. And so I was urged by my mother, you know, if you don't feel good enough to go to work, then you really need to go get those labs done. So I was like, okay, fine. So I went, I got the labs done. I went back to work. I had a a big event that night at at Sony. Um, So I went up to LA and thankfully I'd also gotten um, tickets and I I got to bring a couple of people with me and I brought my family because they were really interested in the topic that was going on at this event. And um, thankfully I wasn't driving, but I felt really, really, really poorly. And I went home and I was like, well, I'll get my labs you know, back tomorrow, and then we'll probably have a better idea of what's going on. And I woke up that morning, and I did call into work sick, because I just felt that bad. And um, I did something really dumb that I never do, which is I turned off my phone. And because I didn't want to be disturbed, I was very tired. I was going to get that sleep that all the doctors thought I should get, um, <laughs> being that stressed, healthy young woman. And um, chaos, you know, began to ensue. Uh, everything I ate came right back up and, um, you know, I was not breathing very well. Uh, you probably recognize what I'm describing to you as the symptoms of diabetic ketoacidosis. And I hope that your daughter has never experienced that. And if she has, I'm very, very sorry because that's a, it's a terrible thing to experience. And I, I'm sure it's very terrible to watch. Um, and my doctor tried to call me and say, hey, we got your test results back. You need to call me back immediately. Um, my only saving grace was that the doctor that I was seeing, my mother had just started seeing as well. And because of the situation, the the doctor called my mom and was like, I need you to go. Like, I don't know where you are, but you need to go home. You need to go check on Samantha. And she needs to listen to this message. And so the message was like, hey, I've made um, an appointment for you with an endocrinologist for this afternoon. But by then, those those records, the lab requests, all of that, those were days old. And my blood sugar was much, much higher than, you know, the 200, 300 that they saw a couple days prior. So my my mom rushed me to the emergency room and my dad followed right behind. And I <laughs> all I remembered was my dad opening the door to the car and picking me up, carrying me. Um, into the emergency room and I was like stop like put me down I'm I'm fine but I clearly was not fine and the next thing I know I woke up in the ER um, like very like Grey's Anatomy like doctors and nurses and everyone all around me Um, I guess things weren't going well (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and so a lot uh, of people here. Yeah. A lot, a lot, a lot of people. And they were telling me that I had, I guess I was moving around a lot. And they were like, if you don't stop moving, we're going to have to restrain you. And I was like, what? Whoa. Okay. And then I passed out again. So um, I woke up again eventually. And what I thought was like a half hour later, but I think this was all over like a 12 hour period or something, I was wheeled to the ICU. And I found out that I had type 1 diabetes and my blood sugar had been over 800. Um, and that, well, the, the endocrinologist on call came into my room. And I'm not kidding that this is the first thing that she said to me. She said, you're going to lose your driver's license. You're never going to be able to wear high heels again. And you're going to get your, your feet are going to have to be removed. If, and essentially her, what she was trying to do was scare me straight. You know, clearly I was someone who wasn't taking good care of myself. And these were all the terrible things that would happen to me if I didn't get my life together. But what she had failed to, I guess, read on my chart was that I just, just been diagnosed. I had no idea that I had type 1 diabetes and that I was like a super healthy, active person who would do whatever it took to take good care of themselves. What a delightful um, person. Wow. And by the way, even if you weren't just newly diagnosed, I, I can't really imagine. Great way to talk to well, I don't know. Listen, <laughs> we talk about it here once in a while. We, when you're down to that, I get that you're probably frustrated as a clinician, but that's not going to help anybody. You, you, you know what I mean? Like oh. the, that really isn't like, that's not, that's just you. I mean, if, if, if that kind of fear was going to move me off of my, my behavior, I, I would have happened already you, you know what i mean like when you i think when you find yourself trying to do it that way you've just run out of good ways to try to do it and the and it's completely reprehensible in this situation because this isn't like a doctor who had been seeing you for years and had given up in their head this person just walked in didn't know you from anybody else and started giving you you know all that problem oh my god that's terrible sam I'm glad you told yeah. that story. Yeah, it, 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 I'm, I'm glad we're ending on that because we're like 10 minutes over right now on, the, on how oh, long the podcast so is. No, no, no. I, you were going. I was like, I'm not stopping her. This is great. Can I say something really positive, though, before? Because that story is a total downer. Yeah, sure. Okay. So I just and, – and there's a lot, a lot more that comes along with that story. I wish I could say that that was, you know, the turning point. Everything started being, you know, rainbows and butterflies after that. And, and that would be a lie, so I'm not going to say that. But eventually I – learned that there were people out there there's the diabetes online community there were the people in my life who had type 1 diabetes who were there and ready to shepherd me through this arduous transition and um I took control and I I have diabetes in my hand you know and some days it it fights me pretty hard but I do my best to to pick it right back and life can be wonderful with type 1 diabetes. It just takes time and you get to know yourself and you figure out what you need and you go get it and you don't let anyone stop you. And that's the lesson that people should be hearing when they're diagnosed. And they shouldn't be diagnosed in emergency rooms. They should be diagnosed the first time someone says, hey, I don't, something doesn't seem right. And then they should be told, you know, good, helpful, happy things that are going to help them have a, lead a wonderful life full of health and happiness and that's that's what i aim to do is to try to help people with that good for you is so. there a way people can i i know that we didn't have you on for this but is, do you have like contact information for the work you do or anything like that 
Yeah, yeah, I'd be happy to share that. Um, I have a there's a Facebook page for my business. It's facebook.com slash um Gmark Wellness. Um my my business is Grace Mark Wellness and Lifestyle Coaching and the website is Gracemark G-R-A-C-E-M-A-R-K dot org. And um if I may, I'm just going to throw this in there. I'm really excited to announce that my first book is coming um, very, very, very soon. And I, I hope it will be a great help to a lot of families living with type 1 called Type 1 Diabetes Caregiver Confidence. And it's a guide for caregivers who take care of children who live with type 1 diabetes um, that are not living with them 24-7. So, you know, teachers, nurses, grandparents, etc., I had no idea. I, I you'll email me links and I'll put them all in the show notes for you too. I didn't realize uh, you had any of this going on. I just thought you were some crazy woman who was going to be willing to talk about your period. <laughs> I, am, I guess I am crazy because I was willing to come on and talk about my period. So there's that. Well, I'm glad the rest of it came out too, but no pun intended. There we go. We got one right at the end. Oh, boom, there, thank you. Yeah, 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 it's good. All right, listen, we are so far at the end. I got to say goodbye to you because okay, people okay. will stop listening at this point. But, um, but thank you so much. And maybe we just have to have you come back on again and tell the rest of your story. Well, it would be my pleasure. And thank you so much for having me and for, you know, doing this important work of having these conversations and getting them out in the open. So young women can, or women of any age can, you know, work on that part of their diabetes management and know they're not alone. That's my pleasure. It really is. I, I appreciate you doing this. Thank you. Thanks. Have a great day. You too. Let's hear it for Samantha for coming out and talking about something that A, she wasn't that comfortable talking about to begin with, and B, something that not a lot of you jumped forward to come talk about when I asked for people to come talk about it. Samantha, thank you. You can check out more about Sam at t1dcaregiverconfidence.com. Also, let's thank Omnipod and Dexcom for being amazing supporters of the Juicebox podcast. Go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox or dexcom.com forward slash juicebox for more information on how you can start using those two amazing technologies today. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you're enjoying it, please share it with a friend. Really, it's the best way to support the podcast. A great review on iTunes is the second best way. The third best way is to send me I don't know, pictures of flowers online. That would be nice. I would like that. Hey, listen, I think I'm going to put up a bonus episode this weekend, and then there is a serious, serious, great episode coming next week. You are going to love it. I can't tell you what it is right now, because, you know, it's a secret.